You're listening to Switched On Australia, the podcast that tracks the opportunities and challenges of electrifying everything, everywhere. Switched On is brought to you by the publishers of Renew Economy, Australia's best informed, most read website focusing on the green energy transition and is supported by Boundless Earth, using philanthropy, investment and direct advocacy to help Australia become a global force in a decarbonised world. Hello and welcome to the Switched On Australia podcast, coming to you from Arakwal country, part of the Bundjalung Nation in northern New South Wales. I'm Anne Delaney. A couple of weeks ago, I attended the big Everything Electric show in Sydney, along with thousands of others. They reckon it was the largest electric car and home energy show in the Southern Hemisphere. And last year, it debuted under the name Fully Charged, and this year it was held in a bigger venue at the Sydney showground with twice the number of electric vehicles and an emphasis on home energy electrification and efficiency. One of the speakers on residential energy upgrades was Sarah Aubrey. Professionally, Sarah is a voiceover actor, but since electrifying and upgrading her home, taking it from a 2.9 star rating to a 10 star, that's on the residential efficiency scorecard rating scheme, Sarah has become a passionate advocate for electrification and energy efficiency. She'd like to see everyone do it. But Sarah didn't start out with the aim of fully electrifying her house. She was actually saving to buy an electric car. But before we get to that, let's hear what Sarah's house was like before the upgrade. We've lived here for 13 years. So before we electrified it, we'd lived here 12 years. It's a federation house, so that kind of classic inner city housing stock, double brick, um, single glazed windows, slate roof. Um, We had gas stove, gas hot water and uh, gas, a very uh, horrible uh, but effective gas um, unflued gas heater in our lounge room which made us feel quite sleepy and a bit sick at certain (laughs) times of the year. Um, I'm amazed we didn't die quite frankly. Um, And our energy bills were, they were, we have ducted, we had ducted um, 15 year old ducted air and our, I mean, this is before bills went up, right? 40% mm. or so. Our, um, you know, we were paying $300 a month, like just, just in the electricity side of things, plus gas. Wow. So, and you turn on that ducted air and the house would be warm. And then, or, or as time went on, the years went by, the hallway was really warm. You could grow bananas in there and then the lounge room was just <laughs> tepid. So it was just like, oh, all the rooms that you needed it in. We'd had it repaired twice. I'd spoken to air, condition repair, air conditioner repair people and they said, look, it's, reaching, it's definitely reaching the end of its life. Um, and I just thought, look, because it was at the end of its life, I thought, let's, let's just opt for replacing it with splits because I'd sort of been learning about stuff. Um, but, you know, we, we were freezing in winter and that was pretty much, and paying ridiculous bills. And as a, you know, the ducted air beyond be great and the house be freezing again in 20 minutes. You know, the house wasn't retaining that when you turned it off. And I just thought there's got to be a better way. Like it's just. So that's what started you on the energy efficiency drive. You, you were getting too cold and you were paying too much money. So it was a combo, was yeah. it? Yeah, definitely a combo. Probably more the frustration of, of spending all that money and just, you know, it just going to waste. I could tell that it was going to waste that you, that energy we were creating. Um, and yeah, I was sick of being cold. 
Yeah. So where where did you start, Sarah? You obviously had started to do some research. Where did you go f- with your bit of research? Well, I kind of did the whole jo- keeping up with the Joneses thing because my neighbours <laughs> a couple of doors down who also live in a Federation house, um, they had actually replaced the glass in their windows. Because we're near the airport, um, so not just for thermally but acoustically, um, we did that first probably a couple of years before we did much else. And we also did the um, replace the halogen downlights with LED, so that mm-hmm. kind of low-hanging fruit stuff. Um, but doing the glass was really interesting because they, they take those um, sash windows they remove them, they mitre around the windows and do draft proofing and then they replace the glass with a double laminate and recondition the window while they're kind of doing it all. And, and then they put it back in place, replace the weights because the window is now heavier. And so now when we open our windows, they go shh instead of and, and they're <laughs> wonderful. You know what I mean? Um, and then so I started listening. This was my kind of gateway. So EVs were kind of my interest first and foremost. I was like really fascinated and I still am by by the shift that's happening in that world and mm-hmm. sort of how quickly they're moving and the batteries are improving, range is improving, all that stuff. But I started, I remember listening to Saul Griffith's The Big Switch. Yeah. And there was just one little line that he said in that book, which was that, electrifying your house is just as effective as buying an electric car. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And because of COVID, I started to work from home because I do voiceovers and I don't go out to studios. I'm working in a booth in my house. And I thought, well, my driving has gone from being 12,000 Ks a year to more like 3,000. So maybe the place where I spend all my time, it's better to spend that on the house and make the house more comfortable and bring down our bills. Yes. So uh, then, w- once you had this realization and you'd read mm-hmm. Saul, you engaged an energy assessor. So I w- did. Was that because you realized early on that there was going to be more to this home energy upgrade thing? Yeah, and I think, like, I, I, being an actor, you the one thing that you really are quite good at is research. So I started to kind of research a lot of stuff. I, I, I joined My Efficient Electric Home, the Facebook group, which is a fantastic resource. Mm, It's terrific, Uh, isn't it? It's amazing. And the the knowledge in there is just extraordinary. And then I also looked up, it came up in my feed actually on Facebook, um, Inner West Community Energy, which is a not-for-profit that helps people get solar. So that was actually the first thing I thought about. And we actually got solar installed before I got the assessor in. That was kind of our little, you know, first step in this big two, two and a half months kind of hit. And um, so we got that done and then I thought, look, I don't really know where else to kind of, what else to do. Mm. And I and I just thought, let's engage this person who can give me a breakdown of all the things that I need to do. And honestly, that was an amazing thing to do. So yes, it's not cheap. It's about $500. But, you know, they come to your house. They're there a couple of hours. They go away and spend probably four or five hours putting that report together. So it's great value for money in terms of the time and energy that goes into it. There's photos, they go around with a thermal camera, that, you know, they find they look at all your appliances and they're able to sort of, you know, look at our ducted air and be like, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. How that's much energy go. that's using. Yes. Yeah. Well, they never they never say that. They're like, you might want to consider, you know, because <laughs> obviously you know, money is the biggest barrier to all Absolutely. of this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and we, and so what I did is the reason I was talking about electric cars is that we had some money put aside for an EV. And I just thought, how about we take some of that money and we put it into the house? So we don't have an EV yet. Um, 
And I just thought it, it had long-term sort of goals, it had short-term ones, and it gives you a rough kind of estimate of the cost of things. But for me, because I'd sort of project managers, managed other things around the house, like the bathroom and the kitchen, I was like, what order do I do stuff in? That's mm. the most important thing to think about because we have, for example, we had very, very old loose insulation in the roof and it, you know, it had really flattened down. It was even missing in some places. And I thought, I don't want trades going up there because like, we've, we've actually topped that up and we've covered all of the, um, all of the joists. So I've created a little goat path with uh, you oh, know, right. planks of wood up there, yeah. but I just don't want anyone touching it. I'm like, do not touch my beautiful lunar landscape in the roof of my house. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I didn't want, you know, the solar guys going up there or the people running, you know, the electrician running the circuit for the new induction stove or the circuits for the splits or putting in the ceiling fan that we put in in our bedroom. You know, all those things are trades that have to go up there. It's going to make their job so much harder as well if I do that first. Despite right. The fact okay. That bang for your buck. That's probably the most effective thing you can do first. So anyway. So what did you do first? We did. I think we did the splits. I think we took the ducted air out because I couldn't do the underfloor insulation until we patched up those holes where the vents were. And then my biggest thing was getting gas out of the inside of the house. So getting rid of the um, gas stove. And we also had to do a new exhaust fan because that was ducted to the top of the cupboard, to the top of the cupboard, which is of absolutely no use to anyone. <laughs> and it has to be ducted outside. Um, so I replaced that. And so it was sort of a stepping stone to think, okay, well, if I can get gas outside of the inside of the house, then I can do the gaps and cracks. Then I can do that myself, which is one of the cheapest things that you can do but you can't do that until the gas is gone from the inside of the house. So it's a bit of, a bit frustrating that those cheap things can't be done until you do X, Y and Z. Yes, that's an interesting thing to point out because, you know, we're all being urged to, to get rid of the gas, but mm. um, the timing is really important, isn't it? In t you know, the order in which you do mm. things is really important. Yeah. And then we, we, we realised that our you know, the, the, the assessor pointed out that our fireplaces were open. And despite the fact that our chimneys had been sort of chopped, lopped off, it must have been when mm. the hailstorm happened in 2000, they'd been, chimneys had actually been removed, but they were still open and into the roof. So that's probably why we didn't die from the gas heater, to be honest. But, you know, <laughs> it was, that's where all the lovely hot air was going. And it was like, uh, so I went and got from like a foam shop really dense, thick foam that you would use on, you know, cushioning for furniture and uh, got that, you know, measured it and made it a little bit wider than the actual gap in the fireplace and then put that in. So stuff like that you can do yourself. Um, and did the energy assessor suggest all of that? No, she just assessed, she just said, look, you need to block this up. She said you could either do foam or you could do a chimney stopper, which, you, you know, you can buy, which is exactly the same thing, really. Mm, but um, more expensive. But more expensive. So, so trying to sort of find, it's, so this is the thing, I think there's actually a gap in the market for once you get that assessment done, mm. what do you do then? Like what yes. tradies do you use? Who do you trust in terms of, you know, whether it's someone, like if you get someone in to put in a heat pump, but there's someone who's never done it before and they poo-poo it and talk you out of it. Like you need tradies that you can trust. And I think my efficient electric home on Facebook is good for that, that you can go, hey, I'm in this area, you know, does anyone Who do you know? recommend? Yeah. Exactly. So how did, is that what you did? Did you actually post on my efficient um, electric home and, and find good tradies? I did. I, I found an air conditioning installer. So I got a couple of local ones in that I had found on my local pages. But then I put a shout out to 
M-E-E-H, and I en ended up using that guy and he was just brilliant. Because I actually think with, with the install is actually just as important as the actual unit you choose. Because when we mm. took the old 20-year-old split, there was an ancient one-wall split in the house and it was in the front bedroom and it was yellow and on wonky and 20 years old. Um, it was this, I could have put my fist through the hole that was in the wall behind it. It was hilariously badly put in. So you really mm. need to get the right installers. But then I went and did a bunch of research. I, I created a spreadsheet, Anne. And, um, <laughs> uh, well, because... Of course well, you did. <laughs> well, the reason I did a spreadsheet is because it's really frustrating when you're looking at different units because on all of their websites, they have all of the ratings, the hot, you know, the heating and the cooling ratings, but they're all kind of spread out differently. So I just wanted to put them all in one place so I could actually compare them out of, you know, the mm. five-star, whatever-star ratings they're out of. How easy was it, though, to compare them? Because this is a problem that we've got for a lot of people, actually. It, sometimes it's apples and oranges in terms of what you're comparing. How Did it become easier with your spreadsheet? It, it really did because I, my thing was probably heating was probably the most important thing for us because the how this house is, performs quite well in summer. Um, hmm. You know, we just have air cons on with dry mode. We don't tend to need the, to even use the cooling. Um, winter is the big thing. So I was like, well, I've got to look at the energy ratings and all of that. Um, my, my thing that was hard to figure out was how much energy does it use when it's on? So because we have our solar, I'm really obsessed with looking at um, how, you know, how many watts is it using? How many kilowatt hours is that going to be if it's on? And so I was like, so when that's on, is that going to be less than 1,000 watts per hour, one kilowatt hour, or is it going to be more? Or Because uh, when we first got our solar, when I turned on the ducted, it was 5,000 watts, and it never dropped mm. below sort of 4,000, 3,500 watts. It was using that much energy per hour. Mm. It's so much energy. Mm. So I was like, is a split going to be like that? Um, and it's not. So the, the good thing I can report is that, for example, the um, three and a half kilowatt split in our lounge room, it sits at its absolute worst at around that 1,000 watts, so one kilowatt hour per hour. So that was really great to figure out once they were in. But I was kind of trying to ask in my efficient electric home, if you have that model, how much energy is it using when it's on? Um, I feel like that's hard to figure out. But if you just go with those energy ratings... But also another consideration is also the size of it on the wall, you know, how much space you've got. And, um, you know, probably the one of the ones that I looked at was slightly more efficient, but it was barely anything. And I thought, well, it's actually ginormous, though. And these ancient walls in this house with crumbling plaster are just, you know, something that's two kilos lighter is probably a good option. Do, do you have any suggestions on how we, we actually handle that situation? Because, I mean, we've got about 11 million homes which are going to need <laughs> energy upgrades and retrofits, and every house is different, and mm. everybody's lifestyle is slightly different, aren't they? Mm. So w what's your suggestion on how we deal with that in terms of getting the right advice? I think, I think the best thing would be every single house gets an assessment because they look at your behavior. They look mm. at all those things that you've just talked about and give you a really clear snapshot of potentially even how you can change your behavior to lower your bills, to put a jumper on instead of turning up the air con or you know, putting a blanket on the bed instead of having the air con running all night, just those things. But you need someone to kind of come and look at that holistically and sort of give you advice. And I know that in the ACT, 
it's compulsory to get an energy assessment mm. for every sale and every rental. Um, and to me, that should be rolled out nationally because it's a no-brainer. It, it empowers buyers and renters to know exactly what that house is going to be like to live in, whether it will be comfortable and whether your bills are going to be really expensive. Mm. Now, now, the energy assessor gave you a, a 2.9 star rating when they <laughs> when they first uh, showed up before you did a lot of this work. And uh, and you now have a 10 star rating. Congratulations. Thank you um, very much. So over what period did you electrify or and, and do your energy upgrades? Uh, did you want to do it as just let's get this done, we've, we've got some money, we've saved for the EV, which I know you still don't have, but uh, let's just throw, the, throw this money at, at this job? Or, because a lot of people are waiting until their appliances, for instance, carpet, and they need a new one. Mm. Um, apart from those two things we did, the windows and the lights, we did everything else in about a two, two and a half month period. And I was, it only took two and a half months because Christmas was in the way, because I was like, right, I'm getting this done. And I actually considered not doing the heat pump because we had mm. instantaneous gas, but of course that rarely dies. Um, but I just got to the point and I went, no, I don't want gas in the house. I just want the gas gone. I don't want to be paying that daily surcharge. Um, and I just don't want to be using that fossil fuel directly in my home. I mean, I can't control the grid, but I can control what I'm using within the home, you know, using renewable energy to power, for example, the heat pump, which it, which it does. Mm, um, mm. So, yeah, I, we did it in a, in a very short amount of time. I went a bit crazy, but I'm quite good at that. Did you, <laughs> did, you, did you stick to your budget or did you, you didn't have to finance it in any way, did you? No, I didn't have to finance it. Um, I just, uh, I, unfortunately, Ours cost probably more than most people because we had that expense of removing the ducted air. You know, most people already have wall splits in their home. Probably the, and most, a lot of people have, a lot of people have solar, but a lot of people have ceiling insulation, for example. So if all you had to do was maybe put an induction stove in, put a heat pump in, and underfloor insulation, that's probably, a, that would probably cover a, quite a vast number of people, potentially. Mm. And then you look at, to me, the unfair thing is, is that someone like, and I'm very aware of my privilege in my situation, but, you know, I had the money to do this. A lot of people don't have the money to do it. Mm. I'm the person who can afford to pay expensive electricity bills. And now I get the wonderful discount of having a, you know, a $40 bill over summer, as opposed to people who, I just saw a guy today at the gym and he said he pays $280 a month at the moment. Yes. Yes. And and I'm like, well, that's all backwards, isn't it? It's like when yes. wealthy, when famous people get given a free car to drive, like, <laughs> you don't need that. No. <laughs> so we need to cover, you know, to me, we, we absolutely need to help people who are renting, help people in, you know, housing commission. We need to work, you know, people who are renting in apartment, in especially apartments. Um, we just, yeah, it's just, it's every single home, as you say. And I'm so... The reason I want to talk about this is because I am truly shocked, like truly shocked by how amazing the results are. Like mm. that, a we now use, we were previously using over winter 42 kilowatt hours a day at our worst with the ducted air. And that there's a gas heater on top of that, remember, and gas cooking and hot water. And now with everything fully electric, you would, you would assume we're paying more. But no, we're using a quarter of the electricity. We used 12 kilowatt hours on average from the grid last winter. 
That's fabulous. And we have a tiny solar array. It's 4.6 kilowatts. It's half the size of most people. Yes. You actually only put in, I thought, 1.7 initially, uh, which obviously yes. is not very much. What? Uh, what why was that? <laughs> Just... Look, I'm not going to lie, it was a real frustration. I, I didn't do a great deal of research on solar before we started. I just trusted uh, that InnoWest Community Energy would find me a great installer. And he is a great installer, uh, don't get me wrong. And I don't know why he recommended 1.7. He just wanted to put it on our um, northwest facing because we have a slate roof, we're quite limited, so we can only put it on the tin at the back. But we have one, two, three parts of roof space you can put it on. Um, and I don't know why he recommended that. And one thing I will say to people who want to put solar in, which they may not realise, is we, we were on that old um, code with Osgrid, and I did lots of kind of looking back to see if it still exists. And they've actually, anyone who gets a smart meter now basically gets taken off this particular code which is that flat rate with no demand tariff just a flat rate right we mm -hmm. were on like 22 cents a kilowatt hour um and when you go of course on solar they replace your meter with a smart meter and so we had to go on either a flat tariff with demand or time of use and we didn't know that and if we had potentially done everything else in the house electrified it but maybe not gotten solar i, I don't know if we would be better or worse off we're probably still better off mm. but I would like to have been told that, and I think every solar installer needs to needs to make people aware of that fact. Um, so yeah, one point seven was just not enough, and we were frustrated. Then we bumped it up to something like three, and then we were still frustrated, going, "We just don't have enough energy in the morning. We have to wait till like eleven a.m. and and then the heat pump kicks in. It's still not enough." And then he puts them on the southeast facing uh, part of the roof. And now we kind of have enough to use over over most of the day. So we can, yeah, I, it was a bit of a disaster, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of discussion now from, from energy experts that, you know, if we if we get the thermal envelope improved in our houses and, you know, we put in the insulation and mm -hmm. we, you know, do the draft proofing that we, and we get efficient electric appliances that we're not going to need as much solar if we, you know, putting it on. What What's your view of that in terms of your house and your needs? Well, certainly if we decarbonise the grid, then great. But, but I don't like that so much of the grid is still coal, especially in New South Wales. Mm. Um, you know, that, that part, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled. And I mean, we love, we, don't get me wrong, we absolutely love our solar. And we are like, you should see us, we're like, the sun is shining, go turn the dryer on. Go, <laughs> go, turn the, go turn the dishwasher on now. Great, do it now. It's like a game, like you're, like you're gaming the system and it's just awesome. Yes. And the thing I love about it too is that you can see exactly what everything is using in the house so you can stay below that. Like yesterday we used three and a half kilowatts for the whole day, right? Because uh, you've got hours. your apps on your, on your phone, haven't exactly. you? Exactly. Mm. So, yeah, really, really sort of keeping on top of that is, is half the fun really. Have you thought about um, actually getting, you know, the smart energy monitoring services, which actually will do the turning on and off for you? Have you thought about getting something like that? Where's the fun in that? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. We, we have too much fun doing it as we are. And I'm right. home, you know, I'm home. You know what I mean? I'm home most of the day, so I can see what it's doing and I, I, I like that. Um, but yeah, I think people don't necessarily think, they think, oh, I should get solar. I've got solar on my house, so I'm sorted now. And it's like, no, 
if you're going to do, if, if you fully electrify your house, you cannot do that and not look at improving the thermal envelope too. You mm. have to improve the insulation so that when you have those more efficient uh, appliances on, you absolutely, it's retain, the house will retain it and then it, th those appliances don't have to work so hard. So I think they have to be in tandem. And I think that's where the, the assessor report comes in really handy to just really point out that you need to do both as well as your behaviour. Mm, mm. So Sarah, what about the EV? You've spent your money on the house. <laughs> when do you reckon you'll be getting the, the EV, the electric vehicle? How, well, is, obviously, mm. it's still on your agenda. Oh, yes. Um, well, I do have the frustration. The only reason we hadn't bought one previously, I actually had a Model 3 on order back in, I ordered it at the end of 2019, due for delivery March 2020. Something else happened around that time, I don't know, like <laughs> COVID, um, <laughs> right? And so I cancelled that order, which was a very good idea. Um, we don't have a driveway. So... It, it, 80 to 90% mm. of Australians who own electric cars have off-street parking. And because I live in the inner west of Sydney, 65% of households cannot charge at home. And I'm on the inner west council local democracy transport group and I joined that group to advocate for, for people like me who don't have a driveway. And I'm really looking at the UK in terms of in terms of what's happening over there right now because they're so much further ahead of us. And the biggest thing that's kind of coming out of the UK is fairness. So if someone in Australia right now has off-street parking and, a, and an EV plan, they can get eight cents a kilowatt hour from midnight to 6 a.m. If I have to go and use a public charger, I'm paying at least 50 cents a kilowatt hour. I'm paying over five times what that person is paying. Mm. I don't see how that is fair, for starters. Um, and they're trying, lots of councils in the UK are trialing things like gully charging. So they have, you know, a little, they cut a channel into the footpath and they slip this metal thing in. It's got a lid that flips, flips shut and you just put your cable out, you run it out of your house and put it in there and it flips shut. It's not a trip hazard. And then they can charge the car and then you take it out when you're done. Mm. And, you know, obviously pole charging and booms that swing out, but they're trialing all these things, which is great. I think gully charging from the research I've done is that it's the least um, disruptive, it's the cheapest to install, and the least likely that um, neighbours will complain. Because pole charging is still an issue. You know, you've got, you've got cables all over the place when people do that. Um, so that's probably our biggest hindrance. There's a lot more public charging around us now. And with my, I started an Instagram not long ago and I have been loaned cars, electric cars. And part of that was to demonstrate what it's like to only be able to publicly charge. And I really wanted to kind of demystify it for people. And, and there's been quite a big response because people are like, oh, that's how you use a public charger. Oh, that's the cable that you need. And, and so we will get one. I need to convince my wife to sell her 2013 turbo veloster and so no <laughs> car and it's like matte gray and it is a cool car but honestly it's the only car so far look trust because because i think we only need one car so i've already sold my car my little fiat 500 sold that so you've got to drive the turbo do you i do and honestly it's like a go-kart it drives me mad but um something has to be better than that car because she actually is the one who does most of the driving three times a week she's driving 66 k's a day um, so I'd really love to see her car off the road I ride around on my e-bike 
I've become very much a fan of making our cities less about cars and more about prioritising how we move people yes. and bicycles and, you know, urbanism and micro-mobility and all that stuff. Um, but I love cars. I love driving. Obviously, I love talking about electric cars. But you can't replace every ICE car with an EV. Otherwise, we'll have exactly the same congestion. So we need to find that balance. And I think we will. So the perfect scenario for us, for example, is that we sell two petrol cars and we get one EV. One EV. Yeah, that's a great The only thing that's come at... close is the Kia EV6 so far, but it's far too expensive. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Still waiting for those prices to come down. I think it's going yeah, to be that's... another couple of years because most yes. of the companies know that um, there are plenty of people who are still going to buy it at the prices that we've got. Right. So, so I mean, what is, seems to have happened is that, you know, that this this process of wanting an EV, changing your house completely and upgrading it, you've now, through this process, become very much an advocate. Tell me what's motivating all of that, Sarah? Like, because, you know, we're doing your own thing, benefiting from it yourself, but you're out there now in the world getting the word out. T tell me what you are hoping to achieve. Oh, I'm, I'm obviously a, a government plant, don't you know? Um, <laughs> I'm a shill. Um, look, I, don't worry, yeah, I've, I've been accused of all sorts of things on my Instagram. You're obviously being paid for this. And I'm like, no, I really am not. Yes. Can you not understand that someone's actually just trying to do good in the world? Um, I think because my job doing voiceovers is so about and has always been about consumerism and taking, and, you know, I'm middle-aged now, I'm going to be a big number this year, I'll be 50, and I'm like, I just would like to give something back. So I've learned all this amazing knowledge and all this information, and I just, I just, the results are so shocking. I just want everyone to be able to have this in their homes and to live this way and, and be comfortable in their homes. And so, I, I don't know, I just... And even the way I talk about it in my personal life, I've got friends who've, you know, I've got friends recently who bought a house and had no insulation in the roof. And uh, they, they came to me straight away and went, oh, look, you know, <laughs> we've got no insulation. And they went and put roof insulation and underfloor insulation in. And they bumped up their solar and they put in ceiling fans. And they are, they're, they're the app kings and queens as well you know what I mean they're like looking at it loving it and their bills are low and they they're like well next the only thing we've got left is the hot water and we want to do a heat pump down the track and we've got money and I'm like see that is the perfect result and so I think starting the Instagram I did which was about electric cars but also um you know home electrification all that stuff I just really wanted to share that and there's obviously a hunger out there for that stuff because people have been so responsive in terms of like, I did a post on, you know those RP3 Raven weather strips? You know, the yeah. ones that, mechanical ones that just slap down when you shut the door? Yeah. So I posted a video of that thinking, oh, this is stupid. You know, I'll, I'll just show that, you know, we, we, we have this in our house. And, you know, that video I posted has had 1.2 million views. Good grief. Because the Americans have never seen it before. They lost their minds over it. And they're like, where can I get it? <laughs> and so I contacted Raven. I said, look, by the way, this... This video I've posted has gone mental, and they went, "I know we've been, we've been flooded with requests, and we're looking at we're looking at U.S. distribution." I'm like, "Well, great." <laughs> so you're not taking any kickbacks from any products? No, 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 mm. no. 
No, I, I, I just, well, if AI kills my job, I might be putting my hand up and saying, yes, please pay me to do this. But um, I, I don't know, I just, I just really, because I'm just being me and I'm just, a lot of the videos are just me just talking in my kitchen or walking my dog and just talking about stuff that I've learned. Um, yeah, it's the, I feel like there's a, there's a genuineness to it and I am just being myself. And, and the whole point of that Instagram is to be, positive and solutions based and I think people are hungry for solutions. I think also that they're hungry for information from people that they trust because as we were discussing mm. before we, we don't know if we can dis if we can trust all the tradies that come across the door so when when you hear from someone who has done it who has developed some expertise and um, seems like somebody you can relate to. It's a very powerful thing. And the social research is saying that, that, that people are taking more advice from My Efficient Electric Home than they are certainly from government websites, for instance. Maybe that wow. shouldn't be a shock, though. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. And I, you know, I think trust is the big issue. And there's so many, especially in the solar world, I was like... I start because you know there's so many cowboys out there in every which way crap solar um, we call it <laughs> <laughs> well one you know one I had one bad experience with tradies with the whole thing and that was actually the people that put in the range hood um, and I every single tradie I spoke to before they came I said listen what this is what I'm trying to do I'm trying to close up all the gaps and cracks in the house all the vents everything to make the house you know more thermally efficient well, I had three blokes come into my kitchen and they punched they punched a hole from the outside for the vent. That was fine. They'd cut a square and that was all fine. And then they went to the back of my cupboard and they cut a hole and then they just took a whole bunch of bricks out. And then they put the, you know, the, um, the ducting through. And I went, no, no, because what you've just done is all the air from the cavity is going to come up through there and up through the top of that gap in my, at the top of my kitchen cupboards. What? What? Huh? Three men looking at me like I'm a mad woman. I said, you, you know what I said to you? Oh, well, I suppose you could like, you know, fill it with like expandable foam. I said, do you have any? No. I said, well, I'm going to go get some right now and let's do that, shall we? And it's like, ah! And they're all just looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, I said, listen, you're going to have more people saying this to you. Listen to what I'm saying to you. It's important that you think about this. Anyway. It's about it's about bringing the electrification together with the um, energy upgrades. It's sort of like trying to, and because tradies deal a lot of tradies, I should say, deal largely, you know, with putting appliances in, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's somehow getting everybody on the same page, isn't it? So we can all move together. Yeah, and some people are much more kind of fait with the stuff and 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 happy to mm, do it that's true yeah i find you know i found i did some research actually for um just for volunteering with inner west community energy and i i was i found them a tradie so i'm actually really good at talking to tradies i really enjoy it I, if i was project managing stuff for a living i probably would really enjoy that and i i i, I think i interviewed about five different tradies mm. and it was so interesting how different they all were and how passionate or not passionate about it they were. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, their prices varied wildly too. I kind of researched as well what products were good. Um, you know, Reclaim and Sandon obviously are the kind of Rolls Royce. And then I really liked the Apricus All-in-One. Um, but anyway, there's, there's different ones out there. And I think there's, a, there's two issues with heat pumps, which is the terrible refrigerants that are used in, in those cheaper models. Yes. And that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to buy a heat pump for $33 
or even $300. It's just not right. And, you know, people are rorting that rebate system. And what's going to happen is they're crap. They're going to go in. They're going to die within a couple of years. Then heat pumps are going to get a bad reputation for being unreliable and terrible. And then that person may even replace it with go back to gas or put in an electric tank because it's cheaper because that rebate's gone forever. Yes, and, exactly. And, you know, that's it. And so to me, that's really frustrating. So I found a really good installer um, and now he's installing, or that company is installing heat pumps, loads of heat pumps in the inner west now. And they're thrilled and they're, you know, they're offering a kind of top tier and a mid tier kind of heat pump option, which is great. Mm. Yes, it's, yeah, finding the good tradies. That's uh, it's a real skill I think you might have there, Sarah. Mm. <laughs> Sarah Aubrey, thank you so much for joining the Switched On podcast today. My absolute pleasure. And Sarah Aubrey is a voiceover artist who has successfully electrified and upgraded her Federation House in Sydney. And as you heard, she's now a passionate advocate for energy efficiency and electrification. You can find her on Instagram at electrify underscore this. Now, a postscript to that interview with Sarah, after we finished recording, she told me what happened when she started up her Electrify This Instagram account late last year. It's a classic example of how the fossil fuel trolls operate. So I thought you might want to hear. Take a listen and I'll catch you next time. So I will tell you the story of this Instagram I started called uh, Electrify underscore this. So I started it on the 9th of December. Now on Christmas Day, my mum had gotten COVID for the first time and I was up there with her by myself and we couldn't go over to Christmas dinner and it was like, I was just, I was just sitting outside underneath her outside deck and I was like, oh, just scrolling through my new Instagram account. Huh, there's about 15 comments there from like fossil fuel trolls. That's a bit weird. Uh, right. So anyway, I did a post, an 18 second post and it said something like, Oh, this account's been going for like, what, two, three weeks? It was only two weeks at that point. And I've got, what, 62 followers? And already the fossil fuel trolls have found it. Isn't that interesting wow, and revealing? that is, it's really revealing. They are out there and they are just no, wait, on. Wait for it, right? So this post had one hashtag. Hashtag electrification. Well, oh. did I bloody ever. Within, it had had a thousand views within like 24 hours. Then it went to 5,000 views within like two days. I had a thousand followers within a week and it just kept going up and up and up and the trolls went absolutely ballistic. Like it was just this constant smashing of me and I was like, what is going on? And now two and a half, what, two and a half months later, 22,000 followers. So what the trolls mm -hmm. actually did is they boosted the account. Yes, they kickstarted you. They did. They did the opposite. They tried to, but they tried to kill the account. They tried to bully me and intimidate me and attack my looks and my age and my intelligence and all these things, all these attacks from, you know, talking about, you know, EV fires or children in mines with cobalt and all the stuff that they like to talk about. But it was constant, constant. Like we're talking hundreds upon hundreds of, of comments a day. Just And it's still happening. Well, good on you for keeping on going, Sarah. Hey, thanks so much for that. I'm driving them crazy, Anne. I'm driving them nuts. <laughs> I'm not giving up. 